You wanted the best. You got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Don't step inside. Don't walk this way. If you see this film on television, turn off the telly. That's right, we watched Def Leppard's Hysteria, the movie. This is Slowly We Rock. And I think I want to retire from this podcast after this movie. Welcome to Metal's Funnest and Dumbest <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host, James. I'm joined, as ever, by... Dan. And the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis. Yeah. Hey guys, how are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm doing good. Right. I am doing so good. Okay. Well, um, let's mm. start with positive. Lewis, how you, tell us why you're feeling so good. Uh, because I got to watch a spectacular piece of cinematography, Jim. <laughs> uh, I got... I was treated to not only an excellent script, not only real human drama, uh, not only some Fast and Furious style action sequences, <laughs> uh, an excellent job of of cutting a, f- a film together as well. Uh, just everything's wonderful. Oh, did you watch? I guess the only, the only bad thing was the soundtrack. Well, did you? <laughs> <laughs> That's, Do- yeah, the only the only downside was that soundtrack. I guess probably holding it back. <laughs> Dan, how are you doing today? Uh, I'll be all right once this is over with. Um, I, no, I, I'm annoyed I had to watch it. <laughs> I'm annoyed we have to talk about it as well. Yeah, I guess for anyone who may have skipped previous episode, definitely go back and have a listen because we did a retrospect on Def Leppard's multi-million selling classic album, Hysteria. It's kind of part of our like... 40th anniversary of like the arrival I guess of a lot of classic rock metal bands in 1980 mm-hmm. um, we decided to follow it up with watching the VH1 made for TV movie special Hysteria of a Def Leppard Story um, do you know when we did like the Motley Crue episode and I remember saying that this was one of the least cinematic movies I've ever seen yeah um, what the dirt the dirt yeah. yeah I take all of that back because <laughs> <laughs> because Hysteria has topped it. It is, yeah. Um, my favourite thing is the fact that I think, not even deep down, not even secretly, I think Dan would quite like to do film podcast, uh, yeah. or something along those lines. And so when we've actually watched movies for this podcast, we've really put him through the ringer. Like, I quite the enjoyed The Dirt, though. Like, the Dirt had some fun bits in it. Uh, this is bollocks. for those who don't know it was made by vh1 um for tv it's terrible it's really bad they can't even the opening of it is amazing which we'll get to in a second i'll give it back that blew my mind um but there's nothing quite as bad as that for the rest well not as entertainingly bad in the rest of as that opening but okay they can't like the road markings all american like, yeah, he's meant to be driving through the Sheffield countryside at the start. Well, the countryside around Sheffield. Should we? At the start. Should we go straight into that opening? Yeah, yeah. Because, let's just go into. Yeah. It. Okay, so, so start, just, like just, all good, you know, dramas. It starts media res. 
just to uh, just yeah, just to fill everyone in on the blanks, the Stereo Death Leopard story was a two thousand and one made for TV movie uh, about yeah Death Leopard. It, uh, it premiered on VH one. Um, there's not a huge amount written about it, other than the fact that the band hate it and have disowned it, uh, and that the, the main the here's my big takeaway from it. The guy playing Joe Elliott, of all of the actors in it, doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page. No, no, hardly Really? Yeah, no. My favourite uh, thing I found was the guy who plays the drummer. He's got one of my favourite things I love seeing in um, uh, people's IMDb things. He's been on the bill five times as different characters. I always love it. <laughs> I always love it when uh, someone's on a show multiple times as different people. I would say, yeah, this is mainly a cast of unknowns. Um, the most famous person in it is Michael Anthony Hall playing? We mentioned him last week. And Anthony Michael, Anthony Michael Hall. Hall. Oh yes, I apologize. Michael Anthony yeah. is the bassist <laughs> <laughs> from Van Halen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. Um, Way better. Yeah, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, uh, probably most famous for playing uh, the geeky guy in Breakfast Club. Yeah, I would say he's been in loads of stuff. He was in The Dark Knight as well, actually. Um, yeah, he's actually yes, a pretty, he he's yeah. had a pretty he's had, solid. He's had a very prolific career. Yeah. yeah, his career didn't just suddenly end on the turn of like 1990 with like most of the people in those uh, in those that movie. Yeah, he's but, no Judd Nelson, is he? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like, it's it's slim pickings in terms of star power. Um, also, this movie is available on YouTube with German subtitles. Dutch. Dutch, Dutch subtitles. Yeah, they're not German. Like, they're definitely Dutch. <laughs> Um, or you can watch uh, it in French on there as well, but dubbed French, so no subtitles. Yes. But it's in you can see like French Joe Elliott. Also, just to give you an idea about this film <laughs> and how the band feel about it, Joe Elliott calls Def Leppard Barpick the biggest pile of shit so, uh, ever made. I think now. <laughs> also, they totally cast the main guy on his eyebrows, didn't they? Like the guy yeah. playing Joe Elliott was definitely Absolutely. like they just look for the eyebrows because okay. they're not stunt eyebrows; they're actually real. <laughs> Stunt eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> so this. I, let's get started from the top let's, then. Oh. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm going to go straight in and say that this might be, maybe one of my favourite openings to a movie ever. <laughs> it's astonishing, isn't it? <laughs> I was actually hoping for more insanity, like the opening. So, so the, the, we talked about the car crash where Rick Allen lost his arm. That's where the movie starts, right? In media res. He so is... yeah, this is it. Uh, Def Leppard's drummer Rick Allen famously lost his arm in a car crash. It was a hugely, hugely tragic, uh, tragic event. Really, really shaped, you know, his entire life, the the band's whole trajectory, everything. Uh, it's incredible they overcome it, and I don't think it's been handled in such a tone deaf way. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, on the Wikipedia page, they've got historical inaccuracies for this film. How long is that page? <laughs> it's the majority uh, of the page. It's actually mental that if the band had anything to do with this, any of these got in. But to that opening bit with the car crash, they show him doing... He's driving around in a Corvette, speeding. Uh, basically, it's the same as that bit in um, Goldeneye, where he's with the driving instructor. Uh, yeah, he's he ends up, <laughs> Yeah, he yeah ends so up. he's driving oh. around the, she- the Sheffield countryside, which has like American <laughs> road markings. And he he puts on he's got a uh, a woman in the car with him. He puts on a cassette of Rock of Ages. So he's like trying to impress this woman by speeding around the Sheffield countryside, listening to his own band. Mm. Listening to Def Leppard's slowest song. Yeah, he then, <laughs> yeah. he then, start, he then yeah. starts doing uh, bumps of coke, 
while driving as well and speeding. And then isn't it like like a Mercedes or like a Bentley overtakes it? I think it's a Bentley. Yeah, he decides to start racing this Bentley uh, again while snoring coke. Uh, He crashes spectacularly. Yep. um, And then we kind of, then it sort of pops up with a title card, right? Yeah, it slowly fades up. Yeah, it's the most most beautiful, like, it's not even, like, uh, carried out, like, here's a tragic thing. It's like, Def Leppard. But the music... It's not like, you know, this somber affair when it just comes up with hysteria. It's like, yeah, Yeah. it's like, dreamy. (laughs) Fuck yeah, yeah, we uh, do, it's hysteria time. The uh, Californian countryside. Um, But here's (laughs) my first thing, then. So, historical inaccuracies, the top one on the Wikipedia page... The film gives the impression that the car accident occurred when Rick was under the influence. In reality, Rick and Miriam did not take any drugs before it happened. uh, And they were just driving on a Sunday morning after breakfast, Rick showing his girlfriend uh, the beautiful nature around Sheffield. So, (laughs) incredible. But also, how do they get away with that? Surely if you're uh, Rick Allen, you're not going to be very happy that if you were sober and had a bad accident or whatever, yeah. but they're showing yeah. you doing a load of coke before it happened. <laughs> like, that blew my mind. Like a coke-snorting egomaniac who puts on his own band in a car. Yeah. Which yeah. cannot escape having to listen to Def Leppard. And then also, like, it's just, it's an incredible flex, isn't it? Like, it's mad. I'm, I'm going to rain for this woman by speeding around in a car, listening to my own band, snorting coke. Around the which Sheffield is countryside. which, which is mm. like that kind of thing would have so much more, uh, so much of a better place if it was in the dirt, right? It's a very that's, motley crew thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's really like if you were to make this movie, that's yeah. that's your, your kind of your heart wrenching moment, right? You want the audience to engage and kind of sympathise with Rick Allen as much as possible. Yeah, but they went totally in the opposite direction. <laughs> and made him this like fucking lunatic monster. <laughs> The drugs don't like, add anything to that scene. No. <laughs> he lost his arm. That should be enough uh, what, of a dramatic hook. What was the opening music when the uh, when the title card comes up? It's just a bit of background, um, whatever the sort of soundtrack, you know, it's story like is. It's like nothingness, isn't it? it? almost, because they, they cut to like a shot of the steel mill or whatever it is. It's all <laughs> yeah. very Hovis advert. Yes, it is. And it's that sort of music that sort of starts, because okay. I think it crosses over between, well, it looks like a Hovis advert, but then the bus they miss at the start, it's, it's clearly a Greyhound, an American Greyhound bus. Yeah, it's a Greyhound bus. bus. And also, yeah. like, again, the roadmark is it, that looks like it's from the Rust Belt in America, which I guess yeah. maybe you could argue that is like a, as, as close an analogy maybe to like steel industry in Sheffield. Potentially, I don't know. I'm clutching mm. at straws here, trying to get something good out of the movie. Justify one thing, because yeah. I, I grew up relatively near Sheffield. Yeah. Like, it really, it wasn't that far away. Looks nothing, absolutely no. nothing like that. What, um, you mean it's not a huge, vast expanse with just a, <laughs> a single empty highway running through it? Uh, also, there's, like, red fire hydrants on the ground as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's also uh, an incredibly hilly city, uh, Sheffield. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't really show... It's all flat, as far as I can see in the... Um, my thing, I love when it cuts to Joe Elliott in his bedroom, drawing, like, the Def Leppard yep. logo and stuff. Oh, we and need then, to talk like, about this. Like, then he's the 12. For, then the foreman's horn goes off, like an episode of The Flintstones. <laughs> yep. 
All their actions are terrible as well. <laughs> uh, it blew my mind that some of the people in this yep. were actually British. I was about to say that. I couldn't believe it. And also, it, it almost feels a bit racist towards people from Yorkshire, this film. Uh, or from Sheffield, <laughs> rather. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so the next bit then, we cut to, um, to Joe Elliott, who is Def Leppard's singer, uh, working in a steel mill. So we get maybe a, I want to say it's about 60 second kind of look into how rubbish life is working at the steel mill. Um, he pulls his back out, he, dropping a toolbox. Yeah, and yeah. also... How awful, is, him. how awful it is to have an industry and a trade. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's like such a snapshot that that's it. He, like we don't actually see anything happen where he's like, you know what? I'm handing in my notes. I'm leaving or anything. He's just there. Uh, he drops some t- <laughs> he drops some tools, and the other guy working at the steel mill, the old man. Just, yeah, the, he just turns around to him and says, "You're an idiot." Yeah, <laughs> I'm on his side. But it's like indecipherable. He says he doesn't just say you're an idiot. He like screams yeah, at him right, in, she- right, yeah, in Sheffield. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, he sounds like that you know that farmer they have to translate for in Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Basically that, isn't it? I have no idea what any of the dialogue was in that scene other than the words you're an idiot. I don't think the actors do either. It's amazing. Just it's improvise. So Just feel out the scene. Feel out the space. I think he was calling the young actor an idiot for taking the job in the first place. <laughs> I think he was like breaking the fourth wall. So I, I looked up the guy who played uh, Joe Elliott, mm-hmm. and he's uh, he's got got his IMDb page. Uh, he had a stint in Casualty, uh, right? And okay. his character's name in Casualty. Let me just open this up because it's so. <laughs> incredible and also terrible as well elliot um, joseph no 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 oh it's merlin jameson <laughs> Mer- what? and whoever the writer was like not so subtly named him after <laughs> the jameson merlin which is a car yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> but yeah he, uh, he yeah, was, there he is yeah he was in a he, he also played peter file in the uh what in the it crowd or it oh, crowd, really? yeah also uh, his character in um uh holby city or whatever it was casually was played by two different people so he didn't even play him for the whole time <laughs> he was on there okay also sorry this is a slight sidetrack there was an episode of casualty back in 2003 called an accident waiting to happen I can't, believe it. I can't believe it took them so long to name an episode of Casualty. For those who don't know, Casualty is, I think we've even talked about it before, there's no way we, we have haven't, yet. is like a soap <laughs> uh, set in a hospital of a fictional city. But the opening of every episode I've ever seen, because my mum used to watch it when I was little, uh, is always someone on like a rickety ladder over a pit of barbed wire or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and like, when it just cuts to them having the most horrific accident. I mean, that's the whole episode's plot. I'm trying to save it's that got, person. It's got like a bit of a Final Destination sort of energy to it. And that like, there's yeah. almost like a, there's like a Rube Goldberg machine that you're just waiting to see how it's going to play out and how they're going to end up getting hurt. There's also an episode called Spiteful God, which I'd like to I didn't even know they named the episodes. Yeah, apparently yeah. so. And yeah. this is also like, what? what is this, like 8pm 
on a Saturday. Thursday or whatever. Yep. Saturday, 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 that's it. Casualty was Saturday evening television. That's it. It was, yeah, it's Prime time. amazing. Yeah. So, so um, good. So we then cut to him leaving the factory and then he just bumps into the guitar, what would be the guitarist of the band on the street, right? Yeah. Like, the, yeah. one of the things which, like, it's, it's like a kind of hallmark of a lot of uh, biopics is that they obviously have to do the truncated version of how the band members meet, right? Yes. But, like, yeah. this is, like, almost like Truman Show levels of convenience <laughs> yeah. and coincidence. He literally walks out the factory... Misses a bus and then sees meet, bumps into the other person who's for some reason also hanging outside this factory but doesn't work there <laughs> with, his <laughs> with his guitar. But yeah. um, so I think what we established is they're already friends, right? It's him. It's Pete. What's his name? I can't. I can't remember the original guitarist's name. Uh, they are friends. Um, he has to Pete introduce Willis. himself. Pete Willis. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think he just maybe knows that he's a guitarist. Like, he also introduced himself by his full name, which is really weird. Oh, hang on. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, no, that's that's not weird. I think if you meet someone and say, who are you? And they say their first name, the next question in every conversation is, Oh, here we go. Who? <laughs> Ray who? <laughs> oh, yeah, Pete, he meets Pete Skywalker. Um, uh, oh, oh, oh. Pete Skywalker. <laughs> also, just on a side note, you know that, so uh, it's your fault, Lewis. Uh, <laughs> the Emperor's big speech isn't in the film, is it? You know the one they played over Fortnite? No, it's not, no. no. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I, absolutely day, incredible that that's a big plot point and they don't put it in the film, what he says. <laughs> to this day, I've never heard what the speech is. Uh, I don't know what it is. Because, because, you don't play, because you don't play Fortnite, yeah, you don't get to hear the Emperor's Return. As well. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys, it was a prerequisite watching a major blockbuster movie you have uh, to have played Fortnite to understand it. This, this is, like, this is the dark future that um, the uh, Enter the Matrix game and the yeah. Animatrix predicted. <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd have to be involved in this like superfluous bullshit just to understand the film you're watching. At least for Tenet trailer they released it a few hours after the Fortnite thing. Um, yeah. Right. Anyway, oh. let's let's Should talk about a good movie. Let's let's get back, let's get back to this great movie. Um, oh. Let's move away from no. one great movie and back to another. It says a lot, <laughs> but we went away from it within two scenes. <laughs> so okay, so so that's their actually first meeting. Then I assumed that they were friends. Well, because he says his full name. Yeah. Like when I see you in the street, you don't go. All right, it's Lewis Blake here. <laughs> doing that. He's like, Pete, Pete Willis. Although my accent's yeah. better than anything in this film. Does um, Foreman know yeah. you're done? Uh, so, so Pete Willis is uh, having a hard time with his band at the moment. Uh, he is needs guitarist leaving, right? and singer. He's, no, singer's no Oh, good. that's it. That's he's, it. Needs guitarist as well. And <laughs> as luck would have it, Joe Elliott. Joe Elliott is yeah. the man. He's, Joe has not been established as a mm. singer or guitarist yet. He's just been established as a graphic designer who also works in a factory. Yeah, graphic graphic designer. So when when we see the images of the the Def Leppard logo, he's got this kind of like this mural created on a big piece of like A3 coloured paper. It's like a mood board. It's like a mood board, yeah, but done by like an eight-year-old, and there is the most incredible yeah. drawing of a leopard. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you know when you see those bad tattoo pages. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a picture of a leopard, and like 
on underneath the word leopard, but I respect you underneath the word death. You know those like giant cones you'd put in your ear is like in place of a hearing aid. Yeah, like an <laughs> yeah. ear trumpet. I, yeah, yeah, an ear trumpet. Like I expect it to be one of those as well. Yeah, death. Yeah, leopard. <laughs> Guys, uh, I got it. <laughs> he also does a fake ticket for Wembley uh, Arena as well. <laughs> on that board like he's drawn out a fake like sold out Def Leppard I think if you wanted to Wembley get out Arena of the factory ticket. so bad all he had to do was make counterfeit tickets for yeah. pop concerts but <laughs> also you wouldn't it. even put that on your fridge would you <laughs> no this I mean this must be so embarrassing like if even if that bit were true that you were just drawing pictures of leopards and be like one time I'm going to make a band based around a leopard I just think the like... band can't have had any input into it because None of the changes they make seem to make the band look any better than they really were. Well, yeah, well strong, like, maybe. But the only the only way that it. Joe Elliott scene could get any worse when he's like designing the logo is if like he's holding the crayon in his fist <laughs> yeah. and he's like yeah. got his tongue out the side of his mouth as he's yeah. like drawing. <laughs> yeah, really, really going for it. Um, so, go on, Nums. I say after back because we were going to do this. I finally watched um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. And I didn't really like it. Okay. But the dramatic changes they made in that were obviously made to make the film more dramatic yeah. or yeah. make certain people look better. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. Whereas all the changes in this film, looking at like the list of them, doesn't seem to benefit anybody in the slightest <laughs> or the film, but it doesn't even benefit the film. Um, him doing coke doesn't add anything. To the car crash. No, it, no it, it completely derails any kind of sympathy that you might feel for him. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they were trying to get sex, drugs, and rock and roll like into that yeah. opening yeah. sequence. Um, so, one of my favorite things as well is when they go. We he uh, brings Pete back to his house to rehearse. And I really love like the the grand's front room vibe to the house mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> I, yes, I enjoyed that. That that was that was great. It felt like Coronation it, Street. It, yeah, it's like the front the front room that's only used when guests visit. So, it's got that energy to it. It reminds me felt, of my grand's uh, house. So that felt accurate, which makes me wonder why they put all the effort into that, for instance, uh, <laughs> to make that seem like a realistic, you know, seventies, eighties, uh, someone's front Gaff. front front room. Yeah, but they just don't give a shit about anything else. No. In the but, rest of the film. So, so they're at Joe Elliott's house, and then the rest of Pete's band just walk, walk in. <laughs> yeah. Just come yep. into Joe Elliott's house. Now, they haven't met, right? Is it How Joe Elliott's house? I thought it was... Um... No, it's Joe, I think it's Joe Elliott's house, because we see it later. Oh, yeah. Um, when, like, he's, uh, he's there with his parents after, like, a couple of gigs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. we do see it later. Also, but... No, it is ma- Joe Elliott's house, because... He. This is where he does his grand unveiling. Yeah, of course. Yeah, his, his, yeah. his artwork. Yeah. Yep. But this is unless the, he's got this, it on him all the time. This is, this is the most. <laughs> he keeps it his toolbox. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the most amazing thing. One. How did they know that they were at Joe Elliott's house? How did they know where Joe Elliott's house was? Like this predates mobile phones. Like this was they, like the room. Yeah. They just literally <clears> walk <throat> in. This. Yeah. They, walk in and out. Yeah. <laughs> unless they'd been following them. And like chasing after them down the road or something. Uh, I like when uh, they ask him if he wants to be in the band, and he goes, "I'm in, absolutely." I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> also, they do a thing where he's auditioning to be a guitarist. Yeah. Um, 
And then he sings along a bit. But he sings at full Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. And then he, so he sings at, uh, no, it's Purple Haze, isn't it? Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, you're um, right. Yeah, no, it really doesn't matter. I don't think they cared. Um, <laughs> but then he starts singing at full pelt while playing guitar for Guitar Audition. And then seems absolutely shocked that they like his singing voice. <laughs> like, I think they made his singing voice a bit too strong for that scene when he's auditioning for guitar. Like his guitar playing wasn't bad enough. The whole thing was just yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, so then so this is where we get to meet uh, a lot of, you know, who will become Def Leppard. Rick Savage, their bassist, great wig job. Yes. I gotta say, I they think that might that. be the best of all the wigs. It's a very wiggy uh, film, isn't it? Yeah, it's some great wigs in this. I would say though, for the for the majority of this movie, considering that if you look back at it from like the actual inception of the band, Joe Elliott and Rick Savage are the only guys there from the start, be very start, right? Yeah. Rick Savage is really just along for the ride in this movie. <laughs> I think he maybe has about like three lines the entire film. <laughs> so, so they uh, they meet, they offer him uh, the job, and I'm in. And, the, uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the, we ask for the name. Pete's like Atomic Mass. No, we're still working <laughs> on it. And Joe Elliott goes, "Wait, I've got something." And he shows them these like ramblings of a lunatic child. <laughs> yeah, uh, like a conspiracy they go, board. They all gather around it like wow yeah man and then i think is it rick savage that then takes the pencil and goes wait i've got an idea and then just yeah. <laughs> erases the a in deaf leopards <laughs> and changes the leopard and they're all there like fuck except no one swears in this film yeah frig <laughs> friggin <laughs> um, did we ever get any like uh, do, do we know why they chose to spell it that way I, just to be just different in the style, yeah, it's style. Yeah, yeah, it looks loads better. To be oh, fair. absolutely, yeah, completely, mm. yeah. Um, cool. So they form the band, and then we get to see the first rehearsal. I just want to put. I I made a note about it specifically. I Great. think the fact that they tell us that they're rehearsing at a spoon factory is a really weird detail. Yeah. <laughs> like I missed we know, that. We can tell it's a factory. It's clearly a factory. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck does it matter that the factory makes spoons? <laughs> That's incredible. Just like the room again of a weird references to yeah. uh, spoons. It's all adding up. It's so, su- it's such a weird specific detail. Yeah, yeah. And in a film they've... which skipped so much, they decided that they needed accuracy <laughs> on that. They actually rehearsed at a spoon factory. We need to make sure that this captures a real story, guys. So we wasn't a fork factory. Tear it down, tear the set down. <laughs> this is like a fork factory. They recorded a spoon factory. Jesus, man. So we, so we see them playing, uh, and I think this is where they want to get that real kind of like, you know, hard working ethos from um, Joe Elliott into play, right? Mm. But they do exact, they make exactly the same mistake in a slightly different way that they made uh, to the, the Taken sequels, where they make him, his, his emotions are so kind of. <laughs> like one tracked and very very uh aggressively focused that it's almost as if they give him like asperger's or something i've made a note as well about this as too mm. uh i just written block capitals joe elliott is a tyrant <laughs> it's, yeah but it's really weird like it's so disconnected it, it's just he seems so bizarre in this film yeah like, there's so like a real there's a, there is a single-minded determination to his character 
the point where it's got me thinking, like, was he involved in an accident, a murder, <laughs> a robbery? Is there some reason why he needs to get out of Sheffield as soon as possible and get as far <laughs> yes. away as soon as possible? This is his best plan. And the, the intensity that he goes with, like, it's the smallest things that cause him to absolutely explode. Like, they do they do a run-through of a song that's fine, right? It's, it sounds fine. And he goes, fucking ballistic. It just seems <laughs> like a prick, It's not he? good enough! It's not good enough! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He, he's, he's a very angry man. Um, and then he insists that they have to rehearse every single day. I'd rather be the shittest rock and roll band than the best punk band in the world. Yep. He doesn't say shit, though. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that, had that I thought, written down. I thought, what does that even I mean? That, I thought that was quite a good line, actually. Um, like, just highlighting the difference between... I mean, it, the film doesn't get into this much detail because it's not, that, not a good film. But, like, <laughs> the, yeah, the, uh, the difference between, like, you know, putting in a little bit of context to, you know, what was going on in the music scene at the time, I guess. Um... But I, I, I thought that line was actually quite good. Like, it's maybe the best line in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, then we are introduced to Steve Clark, who was, uh, became Def Leppard's guitarist, um, who unfortunately passed away due to alcoholism. Spoilers. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll <laughs> definitely, definitely get to how that's handled. <laughs> it's a shame um, the film doesn't sort of subtly sort of hint towards that throughout the film. Or anything. He <laughs> um, starts off just puking in the toilet, right? That's honestly, his opening scene. It's just like naught to a hundred straight away. Um, so we meet him, and he does a guitar solo. He makes and... sure to do all the right poses and faces while he's doing a guitar solo, so you know that he's playing lead guitar as well. Yep, and he manages to do the most amount of dive bombs on a Gibson SG. <laughs> 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 So yeah, he's he's there now. Mm. Yeah. Um we also meet uh Rick Allen. Not quite yet, no. No, that's not they, yet, is it? No, no, right. because they, they have a they have an OG drummer and they, they put they have like a cliche like Yoko type scenario because they're rehearsing and then his girlfriend just appears in the factory, it's like, you were meant to be down pub. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Joanna's like alcohol drink not practicing like you can see him just like shaking with livid. rage at the pot yeah he's livid at the possibility that like they actually have a drink after rehearsing uh and then they all kind of turn to him and he gives them a nod of approval then they all run off down to the pub um yeah. what i also might need to add about this movie which uh again is that like in- this film really stresses how horny these guys are throughout the film yeah, it's really weird. Like, it really goes to great lengths to show you that these are, like, horny young men. It's like when... carry-on levels of randiness, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When, they leave, uh, when they leave the factory after that rehearsal, all they're talking about is, like... Uh, they're talking about a woman's boobs, in fact. They're talking about her nipples uh, and, like, how they can't wait to, like, get some or the girls are going to get. Then yeah. they, they go from that to, like, oh, by the way, we should play a high school... Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a really weird juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah, the transition there was fucking strange. But maybe the, the that's set- why Joel needs to get out of town quick. <laughs> <laughs> He's been planning this the whole yeah. time. <laughs> so at this point, from what we understand, is that they've been rehearsing every single day for nine months. Uh, yes, and in a spoon only- factory. And at this point, <laughs> the 
the drummers kind of, you know, they're not feeling that everyone's pretty, pretty pissed off. Uh, so they think, why don't we just, you know, book a gig? <laughs> <laughs> so they book a gig at a uh, school dance. A very American-looking high school. An incredibly, incredibly yeah, American-looking high school. Yeah, the biggest high school I've ever seen. Ginormous, <laughs> it's like Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, at this point, uh, things come to a head with the drummer. Uh, he gets kicked out because he doesn't want to purely spend every single day rehearsing for Def Leppard. What a loser. Can, can I just say, after the gig they play, again, they're coming off stage, they're talking about all all the women uh, they can't wait to hook up with. Um, Joe Elliott gets some lovely support from parents. And I, might, I just want to add as well, actually, that I saw Def Leppard uh, years back um, in Sheffield mm. with Whitesnake amazing gig like all the hometown heroes coming back great um halfway through the set uh between songs joel it just says oh i just want to like say can everyone wait to my parents they're just sat up there and yeah his parents are still coming out supporting after all these years so I, I liked i liked that they kind of got that he had like a very supportive mum and dad in there i also liked that i didn't even realize it was meant to be steve clark's dad but he was just talking about the gig afterwards and then he's like well how much money did you make from that 10 bob, we made 10 bob from it. Yeah, it's not going to get you anywhere. And he's just like drinking a beer and braiding this like teenage boy away. In fact, I didn't I realize that. Was, he... I don't think they actually say that it's his dad. It's just a disapproving man. I just yeah, assumed and... it was, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's not. And his, his exact words are that's more than you should have got. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's so harsh, isn't it? <laughs> so we get this great insight. Um, also, Joe Elliott's parents, I think one of them might be Irish and the others may be German. <laughs> like, there, are, there are accents all there over the place. There was going on with those accents there, yeah. yeah. Shocking. Um, when they're auditioning, so, it's like, where are you from? Like, uh, somewhere in Europe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is the, was the original drummer in the band for that gig? Yes, he was, yeah. Okay, Because right, then, cool. then, not, then after the gig... Uh, that's when, like, they're waiting to rehearse and he hasn't turned up yet. Then he turns up with his girlfriend and it's a very weird scene because I think he's basically kind of saying that he also wants to, to like, sort out his work-life balance, just, like, spend a bit more time with his, like, girlfriend. But then his girlfriend keeps trying to interject. He keeps trying to stop her. Then Joe Elliott is finishing all of his sense like, oh, you don't want to be in the band anymore. You don't care about the band anymore. Oh, you want to spend time with your girlfriend. Yeah, well, I bet you're a shit shag anyway. And we got a tight, right tiny cock. Yeah, well, fuck off, you're out the band. <laughs> and, they, and then uh, as, I think as he's it's leaving, Steve Clark. They all just start chasing after him, berating him about how shit the bed is, how small his dick is. So this guy leaves. Steve Clark throws something at his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and says, I hope he's better in the sack than he was on the drums. Which is the fucking weirdest last line. <laughs> oh, and he was never seen again. Yeah, well, I hope he's good in bed. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't really know from there how they get on, they go on to meet Rick Allen. Uh, he just kind of turns up, and hmm. then they're they're talking to him. They're kind of like interviewing him first about you know who his favorite drummers are, and they're in they're in a bar at this point that is part submerged underwater. Yeah, it looks kind of like one of the yeah. zones from the Crystal Maze. Like, it does, doesn't like it? I thought that. <laughs> it's so... Cause it's, and it's clearly like a bar that's in use. It's got all the drinks there. Yeah. Everything's good to go, except all of the floor is underwater. They don't explain why they meet there when they've already established the fact that they have a 
really cavernous rehearsal space in the spoon factory. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking strange. So then they uh, they say to him, you know, who your favourite drummer is. Uh, Rick Allen says, I'll tell you what, I'll show you. And starts just absolutely tearing up the drums. And it, it looked to me like the, the guy that they hired maybe got the job because he could play drums. I think it looked, from what he was doing, it looked yeah. like he could play drums. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, I just yeah. Want, can I just say as well, we, we kind of glossed over it, but they have a few gig scenes in it. The way those concert performances yes. are edited are, like, it's like it's trying to give you a fit. It it's is, like the it's, worst lip syncing and sort of miming I've ever seen. It's incredible. But also, it's the way it cuts because there's constant, like, uh, quick cuts, um, but they're all, like, none of the cuts, like, work at all. Like, it, no. bre- it breaks, like, the um, 180 rule, or whatever it is. I can't remember the exact, the, uh, exact term, but, like, where you position a camera. Yeah. Relates to a scene, like, if you have two people talking, you have to have the camera with one person looking one way, the other person looking the other way if you have the, <laughs> yeah, okay. if you have if you have two people sat like opposite ends of a table but the way the camera is positioned so it both looks like they're looking in the same direction it just doesn't make any sense don't no. give a shit about that in the movie um <laughs> they also like suddenly have like slow motion cuts that yeah it goes they, into a quick cut love those slow motion cuts it's yeah but so there's no rhyme or reason to them yeah just... it's so disorientating but at one point i think it just goes into like a negative like <laughs> Yes, it does. Uh, stock, film stock as well. <laughs> I say film stock, that's generous. Um, <laughs> it's so disorientating. I think nowadays you could make a higher quality movie on your phone. You can. Steven Soderbergh does it. He literally yeah. has okay, used, yeah, there you go. He's right. used his iPhone for like the last few movies. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's so funny because VH1 is a, or was at least then, a dedicated music channel. They show they used to show live concerts all the time on VH1, as well as like the I Love the Nineteen Eighties Talking Heads type, all that kind of crap. This looks like it was filmed by someone who has never seen a band in concert before. Jim, yeah, did you did you look up the director of his film? No, I didn't. He directed The Substitute. What? The Tom Berenger action classic. Oh my god, that's what? fucking incredible! I'm so confused. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. The Substitute is a film where Tom Berenger's an ex-Special Forces Vietnam veteran whose girlfriend gets brutally attacked by a drug gang at the school she works at. So he goes undercover as a substitute teacher to find out what's going on and sort these drug gangs out. It's amazing. Excellent. I would, direct- not have, but, I would not have guessed that he did this film. But it's also a proper Hollywood film released in a cinema. <laughs> I cannot believe the same guy also made this piece of shit. <laughs> bit that's a, shocking uh, bit of a cult classic uh, he also directed six episodes of Nash Bridges oh he's done all the TV uh, yeah. sort of, uh, he's and done the he X-Files also, he also he directed the episode of uh, I mean this could be any episode of Lost it's called De- Deus Ex Machina again that could be any episode but I was looking at the description it's like Locke thinks he knows how to get the hatch open that could be any episode <laughs> of Lost <laughs> that's like the first series just first series yeah. hatch. Uh, also subplot Jack is reluctant to help Sawyer get glasses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack was in. That, that, that was a central mystery to Lost. Yeah, Why yeah none of you have a weird, Sawyer cool sci-fi glasses. shit. Just, glasses. Where's my glasses gone? <laughs> so, um, okay, so now, so the drummer's left. Uh, we established that they have 13 days, right, until they go into the studio to record their first album. 
Yeah. They get Rick Allen. Mm-hmm. He gets the job. Uh, yes. Then they do the album, get the gig montage. Everything's great. Then we get to see them kind of doing uh, their photo shoots and things. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the scene of them getting this photo shoot is excellent because the other guitarist, Pete, was it Pete Wilson? Pete? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he goes into an absolute fucking rage because they want him to stand on some books behind the band. Uh, and we don't really know why he goes into this rage. It's from nowhere, but he starts like a full-on fist fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it seems very unreasonable, doesn't it? I guess that may be trying to establish like the tension and the egos. Well. Because it all it does come to a head. Uh, but it doesn't feel point, like that when you're watching it. It just feels like, what what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, at this point, like time is really starting to converge on itself. Because they also, they get signed very quickly, but we don't really see them ink put uh, pen to paper on like a record deal. We still like, don't really know who they are. They don't really do a good job of explaining <laughs> who like, any of these it, people are. It, 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 like, like, again, don't think Bohemian Rhapsody is a good movie, but at least it gets like the stuff like them signing the record deal. Yeah, I, enjoy, like I enjoyed it. I there. had a lot of fun with Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, if you just ignore... The inaccuracies things. I I had fun with it. Um, it made me appreciate Queen's music a lot. Yeah, more. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've always loved that, but yeah, I don't think um, Mallet and, and Mike Myers good. was great. Yeah, that yeah. was weird. <laughs> uh, okay. So actually, the editing in the concert section reminds me a lot of that. It's quite infamous now, but the editing in that scene in Bohemian Rhapsody yes. where they're all sat outside the pub and um, Littlefinger from Game of Thrones comes along. And there are about 100 cuts in 30 seconds. It's like that uh, Taken Free bit where he's climbing over a climbing fence, the fence. And it has yeah. seven, <laughs> seven different cuts. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the band gets signed in an instant. Then they're touring America. This all happens very quickly. Then Mutt Lang calls them. And then they're in the studio. And it's like um, someone's seeing the life flash before their eyes when they get hit by a bus. Yep. And... Yeah. Mutt Lang, uh, I think that Anthony Michael Hall did a good job. I think he was fine. Except? Except the fact Mutt that... Mutt Lang has a South African accent. It's South African, yeah. <laughs> yes. He has a bad wig job. He has a... Yeah, I, he has a no, mad saying, job. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall's wig. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my, this is one of my favourite things in the movie. This is actually the scene which I remembered the most when I first watched it. Because I think we talked... I don't know if, it, if we talked about it on the last episode, but... I've actually, uh, I think I might have a clip lined up for this one, Jim. Oh, good, yeah. If you, like, if you want to uh, take us away on what you think it is. Is it the scene where they are recording Bringing On The Heartbreak? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, and yes, generally it, it hits like a flat note. Because it seems to me like this is like a recurring theme. Mutt Lang's entire... We talked about what an amazing fame producer he was in the last episode. Mm. And like how, yeah. how good he is. Turns out his te- his entire technique is just saying to the band, "Play better, just do it better." Well, I don't, so sing a bit just play it louder, sing higher. So we've, we've got Still a clip. Faster. I think this is this is just one of the greatest highlights of the film because it yeah. shows you want to see a character kind of overcome some adversity, right? You want to see them really push themselves. You need that Rocky montage scene mm. where we yeah. see them go from failure to hero, uh, and they knock it out of the park on this one so uh, here's the great scene of them recording (laughs) bringing on the heartbreak taking on the best of me oh can't you say 
Joe, I want you to go higher right there. I can't go higher. Yes, you can. I can't go higher, all right? Yes, you can. Just give it a try once more, please. Taking all the best in me. Oh, can't you see? You got the best in me. Oh, can't you see? <laughs> Stop right there. <laughs> what, what, what the hell is wrong with now? Peace, hold on one second, okay? Hold on. Okay, play back. You got the best of me. Whoa, can't you see? You're on the <laughs> maybe, maybe they do a good job of showing what Lance is because he manages to take a single isolated vocal take and harmonize it. Instantly. Instantly. How did you do that then? I didn't do anything, you did it. No, you tricked it up. Listen to me, guys, you got it, okay? Now, you don't know where it is or how to find it or how to polish it once you do find it, but you got it. <laughs> now, I'm the map. I can't, you know, create the treasure. I'm just gonna guide you to it. <laughs> okay. Listen, we can make this real easy, okay? You guys want a gold record? A lot of people have gold records, man. They're called one-hit wonders. I'm trying to build a career for you guys. We need one big hit single on this record, and then two, three, four, five on the next. Oh, get real. Guys, it's your choice. You can be shooting stars, or you can be in it for the long haul. Perfect. It, it reminded and... me of the uh, cowbell sketch from Saturday Night Live yeah. with Christopher Walken. <laughs> like, I wonder whether they use that as part of the inspiration for that sketch. Because it's, it's the way he's talking about gold records and all these sort of, you know, allegories and stuff. There's it's also, incredible. There's a bit, beginning when they're recording with Matt, where Rick Allen just has, like, an absolute hissy fit it having to, like, play a drum bit. And he threatens to, like, quit and walk out there. Right, then Joe Elliott has to stop him and calm him down. It's so weird. It's so yeah. fucking strange. I think they're trying to show Matt Lang as being a demanding producer, but they're not using he, good he, examples of him being demanding. Like, the drum bit is not a good example yeah, no. <laughs> no. If anything, Mutt Lang comes across as an incredibly patient man. All of these guys <laughs> He's the have most incredibly, yeah. idiots from incredibly short fuses, yeah, that like, get signed to a record label, get to go and record with like one of the biggest producers in the genre, and then the moment he asks them to do another take, kicks up a fucking shitstorm. <laughs> it's amazing. And like even... Even how, like how we were talking about on the last episode uh, about how those records were like meticulously made and they did all these parts where they would go and record them individually and it, it was so meticulous. It was like surgical. And in this, they're just kind of jamming it out in a studio and he's like, hey guys, why don't you play it better? And then they're like, fuck, why don't yeah. we play it better? And then <laughs> that it's a never hit. never occurred to us. Oh my and then God. He, then he Thank turns you, up man. the fader that contains somehow all of the perfect vocal yeah. harmonies. He's a genius. <laughs> no, yeah, no that, that's why he's a genius. required. That's, that's why the dude's produced so many multi-million selling albums and we haven't. But Lang is an absolute genius. He's got a secret uh, recording board <laughs> that he built. <laughs> um, one thing also, that because they kind of skip, it's in there, but... They they also have him meet Peter Mensch as well, who is becomes their manager, and Peter Mensch yep. is like a he's a pretty like he has his own Wikipedia page even if yeah most is of the it cast Dean don't. McDermott isn't it? Uh yeah yeah he's played yeah. by Dean yeah so 
he has produced, he has, sorry, managed, I should say. His first client, in fact, was, uh, so there you go. He started his career at 26 managing ACDC. Then he formed Q Prime Management with Cliff Bernstein. Their first client was Def Leppard. Then he's also managed Metallica, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, Hole, Baruch Assault, Snow Patrol, Jimmy Page. So he's had one hell of a career. But it just so happens Mad. that he just seems to be hanging around some Def Leppard concert, yep. quite indifferent to them. <laughs> like, <laughs> appa- apparently they're the first band that he signed to his management group. But like when they approach him, he's like, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, ACDC tour needs some support. Um, do you guys want to come along? Yeah, it's so casual, isn't it? Very it's casual. so strange. Also, I on, on the, the one guy... on the one condition that they play better than they did at the gig. He just offered them a massive tour. Yeah. <laughs> also, the idea of ACDC playing twenty-two dates in the UK, which I think is what he says. Yeah. He did say 22 dates. Is I can't wild. even name 22 venues. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I guess they're maybe, maybe they're doing like residence. Um, but also, I swear, in that movie, Peter, the guy playing Peter Mensch, uh, he wears the same shirt the entire film. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I imagine he didn't have much of a budget for wardrobe. <laughs> Not even like all on bring wigs. your own clothes. Yeah, they all went on the wigs. Yeah. Um, cool. So yeah. big change now. Then right is they. This is they one of my favorite taste success. Is this where we in- get a new introduce a uh, new guitarist introduced? Not quite. It's the, okay. it's the breakdown of it. So you, uh, because at this point they've they've done a tour of America, right? Or they're doing an America tour. They've come back to the UK. Like it's a bit of a, a kind of like not a victory lap, but. You know, like they're they're having that early success, right? As a band, they go mm. off, off to America. Uh, before they go on stage, they can hear the crowd singing the song. Yeah. Then they, oh, yeah. they run on stage, like their school kids racing to get to the back of the bus <laughs> uh, on a school trip. Um, then, and luckily, ha- security have allowed the entire of the backstage route to the stage uh, where all the tech is to just be lined with fans that they're then struggling to hold back. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's also there's a bit where they come off stage and uh the women just flash their boobs at them as well. Well naturally. Um, well, that, that's when Phil Collins in the band. Oh, okay, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Because yeah. we get rid of we get rid of Pete uh the old guitarist around this time. And this is one of my favourite scenes actually, because they are implying that he's having some difficulty with uh, alcohol. And they're playing a show, and they're playing Photograph, I think. Yeah, that's and, it, yes. Yeah, they're playing... Fo- Actually, no, no, it's not Photograph, it's not. It's bringing on... Because, yeah, it's not. But they're, play- they're playing one of their early hits, and then he just stops what he's doing, and he walks off stage. And you know when you see, like, um, people, like, hypnotised, or, like, almost like the way a mummy walks towards, yeah. like, a bottle of vodka? He's just, like, nodding his head with, like, a grin on his face, like, yeah. oh, yeah... I get it, like, and the way Joe Elliott gets all pissed off at him, obviously, if that happened in a game where you suddenly stop playing to go and neck some vodka. Go sleepwalk over to some vodka. Yeah, sleepwalk over. That would be incredibly frustrating. But, like, <laughs> it's always acting like somehow bands don't drink on stage anyway. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, so then they go back to... What a stupid uh, film. 
<laughs> go back to an after party, kick everyone out, uh, and kick him out of the band. At which point, oh no, Def Leppard needs a new guitarist. This, this is exactly why I wrote Joe Elliott as a tyrant. It was very specifically this <laughs> yeah. bit. Because they they turn to, they also do a little bit more of a hint about Steve's alcoholism. Because it's like, he drinks more than me. It's like, yeah, but you don't do it at gig. Um, they, Joe Elliott like, says, like, you're out of the band, that's it, you're fired. Like, mid-tour or something. Um, I assume it's mid-tour. So that's going to be kind of awkward for them. Feels when like it. Yeah, when they're about to go into the studio to record Pyromania in a few days' time as well. But also, when he says, oh, you're out of the band, and like Pete turns the rest of the band, they're all like huddled there, terrified of Joe. Like, they don't say <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that scene in Downfall. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's too nervous to say what's actually happening. Yeah, look at his eyebrows, look how emotional they are. I don't... <laughs> Uh, so then, luckily, they go to a club where there's an amazing guitarist uh, on stage just giving it some. Yeah, uh, they're, like, they're like sat in this bar and they're like, oh, we've got to find a new guitarist now. Where are we going to find a new guitarist? There's a band playing right behind them. The guitarist starts solo and turn around. Hey, what's that? Entirely made hey. up. <laughs> Have uh, you got another inaccuracy for us, Nelms? Well, I've, I've already missed a few because there's just too many. But uh, he was already mates with them all and they asked him to join. Well, not according to the film, Nelms, because no, I, I believe, I believe uh, he was playing in full makeup uh, and Joe Elliott approached him to buy him a drink and he said, thanks, it's just makeup. Yeah. No offence, but I like women. Yeah, me too. I love shagging women. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like this gig he's playing where like, they're basically playing this full on rock concert to a bar which is like seated table like table service only <laughs> it's amazing I just realised Joe Elliott's voice in this film he sounds a lot like that stalker Alan Partridge has in Alan Alan Partridge <laughs> yeah. it's called an aerialator <laughs> oh my god this is where the accents as well really take a nosedive honestly because the, the guy the guy playing um, Phil uh, Colin his accent is all over the shop. It's like, like a fictional country, isn't it? There's no way yeah. anywhere on earth someone's <laughs> has that is, accent. Was the actor Australian? Because no, so I, much I, Australian so came I, through. I, I did a search for him and uh, he's actually from the UK. But apparently... Fuck off. Yeah. Apparently... Uh, his, his, name, the, his name is Esteban Powell. <laughs> he's American. Uh, oh, oh, I apologise. Yeah, he's American. Yeah, he's from okay. Houston, Texas. Still no excuse, right. though. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, he's also, he's appeared in uh, Beverly Hills, 90210. He's had quite a good career. Touched by an Angel, CSI, um, Dawson's Creek, Charmed, Gilmore Girls, House. Charmed. Monk. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Christ. All right. Not for accents, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Esteban Powell. Do you know what, as well? Like, so weird. Partly because of, like, the actual, like, quality of, like, the rip of the film. <laughs> but, like... Because this guy has to be on pal, he's 43. If I had to guess, I would say during the making of that movie, he was 43. <laughs> yeah, so he would have been what, 22, 21? Yeah. No. Yeah, I did not, not get that. Did not no. get that vibe. No, that's not correct. Um, so, go on, Nels. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. 
probably probably praising the film, I imagine. What I was going to say. <laughs> well, there's. Oh, I know what it was. Sorry. Go on. Uh, how annoyed do you think the actual British people were on the set? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it must be really uncomfortable. Because I, I doubt it. They just went up and went. This accent is terrible. It doesn't sound anything like anyone from the UK that's ever lived. <laughs> but it must be very frustrating at the same time hearing it and being like, what are we doing here? It's got to be terrible. Um, yeah. The guy who plays uh, Steve Clark, uh, Paul Geary, he is Irish. He's an Irish-born American actor. Okay. Again, that explains where the fuck his accent is going. All yeah. the, he kept, all the way he kept going movie. Scouse. Yeah, it was it was all over the shop. Um he he's he's appeared in Sex and the City, um, and at one point as well, he waited on tables in the East Village of New York alongside Jeff Buckley. Oh, okay. okay. Mm. Yeah, so, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we we get this amazing uh, scene where that now those two guitarists are working together, uh, and I think we're meant to think like they're oh they're both lead guitarists. There's some kind of like fighting in the band uh, that is immediately dispelled by like one conversation. The guy playing Steve says to Phil, he's like, oh, but you've got such great technique. And Phil goes, yeah, but you're playing with such heart and soul because we, everyone knows the formula. Each guitarist can only have one of those things. It's like when you pick a Pokemon, you either pick heart and soul or technique. You, can, you can't have both. Uh, so then the uh. like, what if we work together? Yeah, why can't we be a band with both heart and technique? <laughs> and that's it. I'm glad they're the first band to ever about as well, which is nice. Yeah, this go up to like the pedal board and just like press like... Yeah, it turns out they've got like the effects for like heart on, but you haven't turned the effect for technique on. Yeah. It's like Spinal Tap never happened. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these scenes in this film, it just, just reminds me of when um, the bass player's like, yeah, you know, David's... Uh, like but, fire and uh, uh, Nigel's <laughs> like ice and I'm in the middle like a sort of lukewarm water. <laughs> but it just reminds me of that with like, oh, is, you've is got that? technique, you've got heart. But <laughs> this movie also came out two years after Almost Famous. Yeah, that's astonishing, Yeah, I can't isn't believe it? it's 2001. Yeah. If it yeah, was if like 1990, this, don't watch I'd this, watch Almost Famous. <laughs> yeah. So, so then we, we flash forward, we get a real big scene uh we get all of the boobs in the film now they they use their allotted boob allowance yeah uh for this we see for some reason and i don't know if this is true or not but deaf leopards seem to collect bras because they were making they, they made a big deal of gathering up all of the bras that were thrown on stage and they put them on these like on like clothes racks oh yeah yeah I, when, and they're just I first, my first thought of that was like oh maybe that's like I thought that was like somehow like their their stage gear that was just being moved around. They were like, "Oh, we're gonna need." I I didn't quite catch because it was such a fucking low quality <laughs> rip of it. I had no idea what was going past there. It was bras, yeah. They were they were gathering up every single bra and making sure they don't leave a single one behind. <laughs> so like, it, do, do you yeah, guys ever see the show um, Dirt? Do, do you ever see the show that uh, the guys from Little Britain did for Little Britain called Rock Profiles? Yeah. Okay. It was so good. Um, basically, it's a they're, they're kind of like fake sit-down interviews uh, where they'll play different uh, yeah rock stars. And yeah, they have okay. A, they know. have this amazing episode 
where it's uh, where they're Tom Jones and Shirley Bassey, but they they always take place in what looks like say like like a youth hostel or something like that. Like they're, they're meant to be slightly <laughs> glamorous. Like this one just takes place in like a really low rent like uh like a travel lodge in a ho- in the hotel room. They like uh but Tom Jones is talking about like how like the women actually love him and they're always throwing underpants on stage at him. And then he reveals that actually he brings them back to M and S. They'll actually refund him, and because they know him there, like, they don't have a problem with it. But uh, and then the end scene is um, David Williams, like in his full-on Tom Jones gear. So he's got like the <laughs> leather trousers. He's got like a black shirt tucked in with like the um, chest hair, the top, the chest hair, and, like the top five buttons undone. Then the, the curly wig and like the fake tan, and he's uh, he's walking down the street with an M&S bag, humming <laughs> "Sex Bomb" to himself before like ducking <laughs> in to return some underpants. That was a good show. Mm. So yeah. then, so we we then have the the big tour. They get back, they're all knackered, um, and Rick Allen has a bit of a paddy because he, you know, this is just a day job now, and he, mm. he needs some time off. You work hard, you get time off. Uh, Joe, Joe uh, Elliott wants to go and start recording straight away, immediately. Because he's right? a monster. Because he's an yeah. absolute inhuman monster. Well, he's, he's a perfectionist. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and the way to get perfection is to just fucking never stop. Just, <laughs> just point your eyebrows at people. So, so this thing is diminishing returns in Joe Elliott's book. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this amazing scene where uh, where Rick says, "I'm taking a rest," uh, and then he goes and has the the car crash, but. Now, uh, can, can I just st- stress? This, I mean, no, this is one of my favorite things. They arrive at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> okay. Rick Allen leaves the band to go on his little vacay. His girlfriend turns up with a sports car. He hops in the car. Then they drive from Heathrow to Sheffield. <laughs> yes. I, it's implied that it's the same journey. Yeah. So and as soon as he got off the plane, he crashed the car. So like, <laughs> if he if he's speeding as much as he is and doing as many coke bumps, like it's a miracle he made it 11 miles from Sheffield. <laughs> like, he should have fucking totaled the car at Watford Gap. Yeah, yeah. that's astonishing. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> but we're really treated though to the aftermath here. Uh, so we, we have we have the same scene that was shown earlier. We get the crash, and then camera pans round to a very confused looking Rick Allen, mm. uh, where we see one of his sleeves is a bit scruffy. And then as the camera pans round, uh, we realise he's missing his arm. And the the effects on this this is literally a dude just with his arm inside his t shirt. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> little red stump. Yep. Now there were no other cars on the road, but from nowhere, uh, two cars pull up. <laughs> like there were no cars from miles and no. like hundreds of miles because we're in this flat expanse of the American desert. I, 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 I want to know, so. know what happened to the uh, the driver of like the Bentley they were chasing. He I just was fucked swerving. off. Just fucked off. Yeah. Uh, or or he was one of the two people. Maybe he was the bloke that came. Because uh, in, in real life. Uh, it was actually a nurse and a policeman that the were on the road. Does, the guy does say that he's a police officer. Okay, there you go. So they covered yeah. that. And fun fact, uh, they ended up getting married, those two. Huh. Yeah, in real life. So anyway, um, we we get this scene and they're like, are you all right? What's, are you okay? No, no, we'll call someone. Uh, and <laughs> Rick's first response is, 
but I'm a drummer in a famous <laughs> band. <laughs> and then the camera pans around, <clears throat> zooms in on the car, and then just turns slightly to the right and just holds on this severed arm. <laughs> I love that bit. It's like, it's a really weird cut. Incredible. The police officer is running back up the hill to, uh, <laughs> yes. to, like, to his car yeah. to go and get help. And then he comes back down, he sees the crash, and then you see like a reaction shot of his face, like looking appalled. Then it cuts to the arm, then back to his face, and back to the arm again. It's fucking stunning. It's it's one of my favourite scenes from anything ever, just that whole sequence. But I'm a drummer <laughs> in a famous band. Uh, so then we get to see all of Rick's kind of surgery and him dealing with that. And there's a line where he's he's feeling a bit perky, uh, and he goes, he's talking about the doctor. He says he just sewed the right arm back on. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, there's a scene I really like uh, when they're in a pub and they're kind of discussing what to do with the band. It's like a real cozy looking pub, actually. That uh, it's the same where- pub. It's yeah, the same that, one that was in it. Like it's just all around the UK. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's why. I, that's why I noticed that Peter Mitchell's wearing the same shirt. Uh, but like they're all like a little bit unsure of what's going to happen and Joe Elliott turns to him it's like no we're not not getting rid of him we're going to stick it out with Rick thick and thin because he's one of the band and Joe Elliott says there's only one way through this nightmare through it (laughs) (laughs) great philosopher honestly they make him look like a moron in this film (laughs) it really is so unflattering isn't it there's no way I don't I'd love to know how this got made with um how much permission they had, how much say they had in it. I'm guessing not a lot. Ooh, I think this this was probably a bit of a downtime in their career, 2001. But it's yeah. slang, isn't it? So Yeah. yeah. I, think they had got, I think this is after <laughs> Euphoria had come out, which was like where they went back to their like classic Def Leppard. I had mm. that because following our episode, I went back and listened to some more Def Leppard albums. Um, and I listened to a little bit of slang and Slang is the... You know how Hysteria is the most 80s-sounding rock album? Mm. Yeah. Slang is the most 90s-sounding rock album you'll ever hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I guess maybe the chips were down. They thought maybe this could drop some more interesting. There's great the videos band. of them talking about Slang. Yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> but, like, obviously you go around a bit, like, 2001. Like, this is when, like, Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park and stuff like that were yeah. top of the charts, you <laughs> yeah. know. Like, because Motley Crue released New Tattoo around this time as well, didn't they? And like, I think so. Yeah. No one even remembers that album exists. New, uh, but the, we also get like, a, I guess, a little bit of like the making of the actual Hysteria album. Like, for, for something called Hysteria: of a Def Leppard Story, there is like a real small lack of focus. It's, like it's just tacked. Forgot. It's just tacked on at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it completely misses the fact that um, they started recording it with uh, G- Jim Steinman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, Jim Steinbeck. Steinbeck, that's it. Yeah, Steinbeck, the guy who was songwriter for Meatloaf. That's Jim Steinman. <laughs> Jim Steinman, yeah. That's what it's, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, ignore me. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was thinking of Steinbeck. I was, I was thinking of John Steinbeck. <laughs> 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 yeah, where they left that out. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but you think that would be, like, just for, like, okay, we just want to get, like, some famous cameos in there. Yeah, get him in. Like, that's, like, an interesting part of the story. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's something which, like, the VH1 audience would absolutely appreciate. Oh, they'd love uh, it, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, they'd be they'd eat that shit up. Uh, that was really weird. But they also do take the time out to have a scene where, and this is what confused me a little bit, like because you've got like terror twins, uh, yeah, in Stephen Phil. Like there's a bit where Peter goes to pick them up from like a pub, and then the uh, the landlord's like, "Oh, they're outside there," and they're just like lying in like some bin bags, and they <laughs> he sticks them in the car and they puke them in the car. But he says to him like, "Oh, I'm going to sort you guys out. Uh, you're going to come meet like these two women," and I was convinced. I was like, "He like." He like hired some escorts for them. <laughs> it was, yeah, really, thing it was, was really weird and really uncomfortable. I wasn't yeah. really sure what was going on there. Yeah, but like they turn up at this hotel where there's this woman there. I'm like, everything about this feels like it's like a trap. Yeah, <laughs> 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 honeypot. Like or like yeah, exactly honeypot. Or um, like in a he's like Steve's gonna walk in and he's gonna he thinks he's gonna go meet this beautiful woman. And he finds out it's a completely empty room with like um, plastic <laughs> yeah. sheets on the floor. It's like, oh, <laughs> son of a... Gets his head blown off like a good fellas. <laughs> yeah. But they, they keep stressing that they're American models. They, they must say the words American models maybe nine <laughs> times. Uh, so then they go to the door to meet these American models. And there's, there's one... And we only ever see this one. I don't think, I think they ran out of money that they couldn't afford a second model. <laughs> yeah, they kind of explain that Phil and this other model must have hit off and gone to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got, oh, gone yeah. for like, Jack in the budget in the just couldn't cover it. I think so. Yeah. But then. We can, we can only afford a six at this point. <laughs> this stupid fucking film. Because then, then you get some, you get a little bit of randomly like Steve's kind of like anxieties like, oh, what if he's, the band doesn't work out? What if things don't work out with Rick? Like, what if I become nothing? Uh, I don't. I think this woman sort of. St- I guess in real life, maybe she ends up. She's like his partner or something like that, mm. because she was there towards the end for him when like his. And they had a house together. Yeah. They were arguing about who has the better art. I don't remember that bit. Yeah, uh, he he was getting really shitty at a party because he was drunk. Everyone's there. They're making loads of money, uh, and she's like, "Yeah, no, I I really like this art piece that I have." And he's oh, like, what, yeah. what about my statue? And gets really <laughs> fired up about this statue. And she goes, it's a statue of a woman with champagne coming out of the nipples. He's like, you don't appreciate my art. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this scene at all. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking terrible, dude. Um, and then she's, I think she says to Joe, uh, like, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about his drinking. And <laughs> so Joe says, he doesn't drink any more than the rest of us. I know. <laughs> yeah. That's so bad, that bit. That's all they, yeah, it's just lip service, isn't it? The enabler. Again, not a good portrayal of Joe Elliott. <laughs> it makes him look awful, awful saying that. Because like, so then... they, um, they, at one point he goes into... Oh, he has, he, he's in hospital, isn't he? Yeah. And the, the doctor gives him a real telling off. It's like, I've dealt with your kind before, rock stars. Uh, the amount and then alcohol- name drops John Bonham. <laughs> yeah, the, ima- the amount of alcohol in his system is like uh, 5.1. It was, it was uh, point, point 0.41 uh, was in John Bonham's body at yeah. the time he died. Uh, and in Steve's, it was 0.54. And they're like, ooh, that's a lot. Well, the thing that blows my <laughs> mind is like, she, she's, like, she's like, I've dealt with you, your type before. That guy, John Bonham, I don't know what band he's from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's like, you know his name, but you can't tell what, specifically his full name. Like, you, any human being would just say, you know, the drummer from Led Zeppelin who died the other year. Yeah. Like, 
You know, John Bonham, oh, I don't know what he did or what band he was in. <laughs> he used paste symbols, you know the one. Um, yeah. he, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it would be like uh, <laughs> um, Vince Neil in Ghost Hunting or <laughs> they're trying it. To... Oh, yeah. Drummer, European, doesn't ring a bell, sorry. Yeah. Um, like, yes, that, 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 British guy, that British spy guy, uh, <laughs> codename 007, he's always saying his surname, then his first name. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we now get to see Steve go through rehab ish and carry on drinking i think they just come and pick him up from rehab <laughs> yes, yeah it, i don't know that happens th- th- this also happens apparently in the timeline this happened uh after before after hysteria yeah 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 which um, makes more sense yes exactly Badly. so then yeah all this business happens uh we get to oh, see rick allen developing kind of, his drum kit as well after he gets all amputated yeah yeah um and one of the one of the funniest scenes was when the, the guy tech. playing him was just in the hospital just drumming on like pots and <laughs> yeah. pans uh, and just kind of like flailing his feet like if i was rick allen and i just suffered this atrocious injury and really you know come through the other side and i saw this guy just... <laughs> <laughs> it's really insulting he looked like band, kermit the film. frog huh this whole film is very insulting to the whole band. <laughs> it um, really is. Yeah. I, I I really liked as well because um, he's talking about how he wants to get like put this drum kit together so that he can play everything even with just one arm, and he's in like a little recording space, and there's like a kind of technician there who's uh, putting it together, and he's like, "Are you going to be done?" It's like he says, it, the, way, the way he responds to him, he sort of snaps him. It's like. This is experimental technology. Yeah, because he because he got an electric <laughs> shock. <That's>, yeah, <laughs> you got to expect a few electric shocks. This is experimental yeah, he, technology. Yeah, you can't uh, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so then, again, it just flashes forwards. They're in the studio. They have some then, anxiety what? about not being able to record now about Mutt as well. Then Mutt <laughs> just comes back. <laughs> just walks in i don't think his line is hey guys i heard you're looking for a producer yeah also another weird thing that mutt lang does in this is that he because uh, they're under a lot of pressure from mutt as well to record an album that's going to have seven hit singles and are starting to feel the pressure uh and all we know is that mutt gives them this mo but we don't really know how they go about doing it mm. but like when they go back into the studio to record with mutt and you start seeing like work is genius one of my favourite little bits is when Rick is drumming and he just walks up behind him and he starts telling him, <laughs> into the microphone as well, that's recording this, like, yeah. <laughs> what to play. Yeah. Like, crash. Now another crash. <laughs> Back to hi-hats. It was like the scene in, um, what's the, the, the jazz drummer one? With, whiplash. Um, whiplash. It was like the whole angle and everything was like whiplash. Except, <laughs> <laughs> except he was just telling him how to play a Def Leppard song. Not quite my tempo. <laughs> not quite my reverb um we see a little bit of them fucking around with pour some sugar on me yeah. which which i think is uh the cinematic term would be foreshadowing now it's very subtle <laughs> <laughs> but because at that point they were in the studio recording but it didn't look like they'd really written a riff at all 
No, and then, so then we see Joe Elliott listening to what they've recorded because he's got no drums on it because they're waiting for Rick. And it, it just plays that last bit of, uh, you know, and it's down, 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 and it finishes. Yeah. And Joe Elliott's in the car and goes, oh, reverses, listens back to that bit, and he's like, I've got it, and drives off. And we never see what happens with that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they, they clearly run out of budget or something, or or they were writing it as they were going and then ran out yeah. of space. Because he, he, yeah, he gets this idea for a song, like listening to a fully completed song. <laughs> it's yeah. like I know what it needs, and in my head, the way they've a edited vocal it, track, I've got it. <laughs> the way they've edited it is like I know what it needs: drums. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, cool. So. Yeah, then it all happens. Everyone comes back. They make a joke about Rick losing his arm, uh, which really lightens the mood. Banter. <laughs> and, yeah, another, another thing as well is because uh, Steve goes to visit him in hospital and sneaks some alcohol. But um, one of the things about one of the historic accuracies, I mean, obviously there's so many of them, but um, you see them putting together, pour some sugar on me. Yeah. Um, it's funny because they stress as well, they really stress how that album had to have seven hit singles but they only ever see him put together like one of the songs. You only find out about one of the songs from the <laughs> album. You, well, they we didn't mention, have time. Yeah. yeah, they don't mention any of the other songs. But also, uh, Pour Some Sugar On Me was the one that they wrote two weeks towards the end of recording yeah. sessions. Like, yeah, that just, was the one that came, came together the easiest. Like, it was, um, wasn't it, uh, we talked about this the other week, uh, it was like Rocket and Women were the songs that like, yeah. took really forever and ever yeah, and ever yeah, yeah. to put together. So that would be the one that would make most sense in the movie. Obviously, they're not famous songs, I guess. But those, to me, would be the ones that you'd want to spend time actually... Oh, it was Animal. That was it. It was Animal. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that took, like, that took them like a year to record. Like, surely that would be the one that you'd see, want to see them putting together. It's just so bizarre, man. So bizarre. And um, also, at one point, Mutt, Mutt Lang starts putting them... like. That's giving them gigs to do. Yeah, I was and I've, I've never well, heard yeah. of. A, <laughs> I've never heard of a producer saying, "Do you know what we need to do? I've booked you guys at all." Yeah. <laughs> do you think they got they couldn't get the actor back who played the manager? <laughs> yeah, maybe, well, maybe they yeah. only had him on set for one day as he's wearing the same. That's shirt. what I mean. I wonder whether because he's always in the pub. Whether they just did that and then <laughs> they're like, "Fuck it, no one's gonna care. No, no one's watching it at this point." <laughs> so uh, yeah, then we see them do. Release Hysteria, go on tour, everyone wins. Um, we see Steve uh, at the end kind of saying, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm really going to fight this alcoholism. Uh, and it leaves on a really happy note. Everyone's great. Then it cuts and it says Rick Allen went Cucurs. to carry on, carry on with mm. Def Leppard. Everything was great. The next thing says Steve Clark died due to alcoholism. <laughs> and then that's it. That is yeah. like all, all that they like. It's, it's a by the way at the end. Yeah. Footnote. TL, TLDR, coda. Steve died. Yeah. It's, it's wild. A piece it's, of shit film. It's, a, it's amazing how this movie is like the antithesis of that album. We talked like so much about how the album was so meticulously crafted. Yeah. Uh, all the and care into it. All the polish, yeah. Like the MO to go in there and try and make literally like the best possible album they could. And this movie feels like it was, uh, it was put together in about a week. No yeah. craftsmanship. Yeah. It's it is truly so so bad. I I loved it. I was laughing. Yeah, I had a really good time. I'm never gonna watch it again. 
people don't say you know because I've watched it maybe three or four times. Yes, the joke's on me there. <laughs> so, guys, would would you recommend? I'm guessing I've got an idea about now. So, would you recommend anyone watch this movie for free on YouTube? No. Oh, well, I would if you want to understand what we're on about. I guess. Um, <laughs> But then I feel guilty that you're only watching it because of us. So we're wasting an hour and a half of time. Uh, Nils, what what uh, music biopics would you recommend instead? Uh, I'll tell you what is really good, actually. Uh, Rocket Man, the okay. Elton John one that came out recently. It, that's really good. I need see. I like it. I prefer it when they do their own singing, even if it's not quite up to snuff. Yeah, uh, that's really good. Almost famous. They obviously change the name of the bands and stuff in that, but it's all based on his actual journalistic time. It's based. It's 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 like sort of semi autobiographical. Mm. Yeah, they just change Cam- the names sorry, of like Cameron Crow, right? The bands, but all the events and stuff all happened. Yeah, um, that's really good. Uh, it's a really tricky film drama to get right. I think. Um, Walk hard. Yeah. Well, exactly. Actually, Walk the Line's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, the actually crazy. I don't know where you can find it, but there's a John Carpenter biopic of Elvis with Kurt Russell playing Elvis. Oh, okay, um, yeah, I've that's heard, really I've good. Heard that's really good. Yeah. Uh, I can't really think of too many. There's not. I was. I'd like I to usually don't in, enjoy them that much. I, I would throw in uh, La Bamba. Oh yes, oh, sorry. Um, of course, with uh, Diamond Richie Phillips Valens, as that's, a that Richie is Valens. That's really good. So good. Yep. Really, really good film. Yeah, that's a great uh, film. And also the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey. Of course. Does yeah. his own singing. Yeah. yeah. And he's he's amazing in it. He yeah. is great film. It's um that's that's before he wrecked his head, right? Yeah, it's pre motorcycle accident. Um yeah. Um yeah, that's a great film actually. He's he's God, really I, fantastic in it. I think we need hysteria the Gary Busey story. Yeah. Christ. I would I would like uh, them to remake Hysteria, the Def Leppard story, but casting Gary Busey <laughs> as as many characters as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Get this, Mutt Lang's an ex Navy SEAL. <laughs> my um, my favourite thing at the moment is there seems to be a trend of people making films where they don't get the rights to the music because there was a, a a Jimi Hendrix biopic with, with Andre three thousand playing him, but yeah. we didn't get any of the music, and then. They mentioned it a few times on what? Planet Rock over the last week or two in the news section. There's some film based around David Bowie coming out, so, oh, but with none of the none of the rights or music to any of it. Because um, they did um, a film, is it, was it Velvet Goldmine? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah. You, it's like ro- loosely based. Yeah, it's loosely based on Iggy Pop and David Bowie. But they're not trying to do... Yeah, that that like it doesn't need the music. One, yeah, it felt like it had been like I remember hearing about it nonstop for years and years. Yeah. Like it had been sat on the shelf for ages. But yeah, they were trying to make a Jimi Hendrix movie. They didn't have the rights to any of the music. At that point, though, just like just don't make it a Jimi Hendrix movie. Make like an allegory to tell an original story. Yeah. It's like get interesting at that point. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, this is Spinal Tap, obviously, as well. I know it's the greatest. Band, what but... about the? Uh, Doors movie. Um, I don't like Doors. Yeah, I don't either. I'm also, like... I don't, I'm also, I don't think Oliver Stone. The more I think about it recently, I don't think Oliver Stone's a very good filmmaker. He's a provocative one. Uh, I like Platoon. Yeah. Wall Street. Uh, yeah, well, I think Michael Douglas saves that film. Yeah. 
Hmm. But if you, I feel, I'm looking over his back catalogue. This is a bit of a side note, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you and Joe about it later, Jim. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, can I just say, you guys need to watch the Elton John COVID-19 performance. <laughs> we need to talk about it. I've sent it to you on WhatsApp. Okay. It is. Just watch it and then we'll come back. Honestly, it's worth it. Yeah, I, I know like we're about it, to finish, but oh yeah, I was gonna say instead of re- actually in hindsight, I wouldn't recommend actual like bar picks. Um, what I'd actually recommend instead is like there's there's so many good documentaries. Yes. Yep. I always feel like yeah, the documentaries because you, you you actually get the artists in there, you get the performance, like um, like the uh, again, I think I mentioned it in another episode, but like I would strongly recommend everyone goes and checks out like the Whitney Houston documentary. Mm-hmm. like not like not really ever fan of the music but the story is just like tragic also fascinating you know yeah yeah the Pearl Jam um, one Pearl, Pearl Jam's 10 yeah that's yep. a that's a fantastic documentary as well also directed Sound by City Cameron with, Crow. Sound mm. City with Dave Grohl as well it's just a, an amazing good. kind of retrospective yeah. on so many great one. albums yeah um, the Sonic Highway series they did as well spoiler yeah, album yeah yeah okay was, it made me appreciate the album a lot more, actually, where you see what they're going for with each, uh, mm. each song. Um, and do you know what's been in my watch list for a while? I've not got around to watching it yet. Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. really interested to watch that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got a feeling it's going to be a complete, like... Self-serving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. agree too. I f- yeah. I feel like, you know... Um... Uh, if you watch any of the kind of making ofs of like the Star Wars movies, now that it's Disney, everything is so glossy and just everyone's so happy. And well, it was so great working with this director, this, and it's it's just so like self-relating. Yeah. You go back and watch like uh, like the Phantom Menace, you get to see George Lucas literally talking about whether or not Jake Lloyd's like any good. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that, you get that documentary on the Phantom Menace DVD is amazing. It's but it's, but it's so, so much more real. It's, yeah it's so much i mean that's the power when like you know you're in complete control of like your of what you want to do um but like that would never ever get made today because it's no. so candid in yeah. like yeah um, and that's and that's in fact that's something then that um some kind of monster for better yeah, or worse yeah there we go yeah really does right oh um control um oh, oh yeah. yeah that's an amazing yeah. film that's a uh, good movie yeah not documentary obviously but very good film I think the hardest thing, right, is Actually, especially for our party people as well. Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. there's so many better movies in the theory. It's weird, isn't it? So yeah, many better funny about that. That's it. That's it. Um, I would, I would recommend if you want to watch just like just a real shit film. I would definitely recommend it. Everything about it is so off that I had a, a wonderful Straight time. Straight out of Compton. There we go. Better movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, behind the candelabra better movie that's there an excellent go. film yeah, yeah another good one um eight mile kind of eight mile yeah yeah why not i'm not there there you go interesting movie uh is that the bob dylan one yeah, yeah. amadeus oh but my yeah. god yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go about <laughs> that far. yes amadeus Fuck is king yes. i love that. i love amadeus yeah because you also I get salieri as well movie. i love that film yeah. so much or oh, i might there watch it tonight actually Watch Amadeus instead. But Amadeus, so good. Also, maybe watch this because it's it's so bad. Um, mm. So, as as one last uh, one last thing to leave on, then guys, I just want to know if you can tell me what do you think Joe Elliott's biggest criticism of the film was? 
Hair? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say his hair, yeah. But he <laughs> didn't get his hair right. I thought his hair looked good, but uh, no. Um, it was that in the film, he was portrayed as being five foot eight, whereas he's actually six one. Brilliant. So on that, note, on that note, guys. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, thank you so, so much for listening. We hope you've had a great time. You can find us anywhere. Uh, we've actually now started uploading uh, videos of these episodes to YouTube. So if you're already listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever, um, great, cool. But if you do use YouTube and that's easier for you, then great. We're uploading everything onto there. So make sure you mm. check that out. Slowly we rock. Uh, we're on Twitter where we are at Slowly Rock. We're on Instagram where we are at Slowly Rock Podcast. We're on Facebook. You can get in touch with us via Gmail if there's anything you do want us to talk about. If there's anything you don't want us to talk about. If you have also spent time watching uh, Hysteria, the Def Leppard story, and you, you've got some thoughts that you want to share with us for making you do that, then please do. Uh, where yep. we are, Slowly We Rock at gmail.com. Um, I just want to add, I just discovered this. Apparently, Don Cheadle wrote, directed, and starred in a Miles Davis biography film. Yeah, called never seen it. Miles Ahead. <laughs> Do you reckon the studio picked that title? Incredible. Oh, no, inside Lewin Davis as well. I just thought come. the title then worked backwards. There you go. I think we must have named about twenty films at least that are better. I would say that almost any film is going but, to yeah, be better. Yeah, but we've done it at the end, so hopefully people will have had yeah. to watch Hysteria first, <laughs> and then they can get annoyed at us. <laughs> but guys, thank you so so much for listening. Stay mm. safe. Look after each other. Yeah. And take care, if, guys. And if you have enjoyed this, it would be amazing if you could just share it. Just pop a little yeah. link anywhere on social media. Uh, link is in, or recommend us to a friend. It really really mm. yeah. does go a long way for or, us. Uh, give us a review as well. Uh, on like say Apple Podcasts and stuff like that like, anything to uh, show your love and support we really do appreciate it yep absolutely specifically a good review if you can would be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey man there's no such thing as bad press there's no such thing as bad biopics so yeah. thank you guys so so much <laughs> take care see ya.